Hello, my name is Andrew Morgan. My name is Shane Beauregard. And my name is Chris Frodell. And together, we form like Voltron to make a brand new entertainment and pop culture podcast called Recent Activity. Every Wednesday, we will bring you deep dive reviews of the hottest titles from around the film and TV world, previews of the next big things to add to your watch list, or do fun things like top five lists, movie drafts, or anniversary celebrations of your favorite classic films. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Starting May the 11th. Hello there. I'm Colleen, experiencing no cell phone issues. (laughs) I'm Daniel. And I'm Anders, who is hopefully as of tomorrow going to experience no cell phone issues. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet just can't get enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. Or cell phones, honestly. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Today, we're excited to share our reactions and theories for the next couple episodes of The Bad Batch. The episodes were written by Amanda Rose Munoz, Matt Mishnovitz, I'm very sorry if I mispronounced that, and Jennifer Corbett. They were directed by Stuart Lee and Saul Ruiz. This is your official spoiler warning for these episodes and basically all things Star Wars. So if you're ready, grab a drink from the mess and avoid the tidal waves as we discuss the Bad Batch Season 2 episodes, Pabu, adorable, no notes on that name, (laughs) and Tipping Point. Let's punch it with our episode recap. Let's go, Daniel. The episode Pabu finds the Batch providing Fee some security as she tries to buy an artifact. When Crowder, the seller, releases a Koahoon, Hunter gets into a fight, Wrecker comes through and provides some added muscle. So it is chaotic, but they escape in the Marauder, and Fee remarks to Hunter with, you know, Omega's training, it's going well, but she might need to spend some time with some children her own age. So she takes them to Pabu, a remote island community on an unnamed planet at the moment. She says this place is a hidden sanctuary for people that have been displaced by the Empire. She places the artifact that they took in, uh, they took at the cantina into a repository of treasures. Uh, she mentions that the, this treasure has value in its cultural significance, not money, and it, it ties to the people that are living there. So, Fee truly is a liberator of artifacts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has a lot of Calicory vibes like from mm-hmm. the Twi'leks and Rebels. So the group meets the mayor and his daughter, Liana, who have seem to have a really warm relationship with Fee. Liana even calls her Aunt Fee. So mm-hmm. Fee, this is like her home away from home, it seems like. And they agree to stay on Pabu for a feast. Uh, the mayor's daughter and Omega instantly hit it off and are just having fun, playing, having a good time. And Hunter notes that Omega hasn't laughed like that in a really long time. Fee oh. starts to try and convince the Bad Batch, mostly Hunter, that this mm-hmm. place could be really good for Omega and could provide all of them just some much-needed stability in their lives. They're constantly going from place to place. We've got a few mentions throughout this episode of their kind of tenuous situation with Sid and how we're not really sure how that's going to shake out. Yeah. And Liana takes Omega on a very romantic boat ride <laughs> out to sea to watch the sunset. But they start experiencing a lot of tremors. Mm-hmm. And these are stronger than normal tech deduces that a tsunami is imminent. And the mayor's like, no, it can't be. We haven't had a (laughs) a big sea tsunami in like 30 years, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. And they start evacuating the lower levels of Pabu. Uh, The residents are fleeing to the higher levels. They 
put down some evacuation ladders so people can try and climb out faster. Omega and Liana are trying to get back to shore, but they're just not going to make it in time. Uh, they crash onto some rocks, and then when the water recedes, they just straight out start running on mm -hmm. the wet seafloor <laughs> to, to try and get back to shore. <laughs> At least they're doing the right thing. Like, I, Do you guys remember like some of the major tsunamis several years ago and there were people just like kind of like walking out after the water receded and just like no you were going the wrong way yeah don't oh, do yeah that. <laughs> don't no do not hunter, do that. hunter hops into the marauder and manages to to scoop them up while tech and wrecker keep helping the citizens escape the danger after the wave hits most of the lower levels are in total shambles but thankfully it mm -hmm. seems like no one's been lost yeah and the Bad Batch agreed to spend some more time on Pabu to help them rebuild. Wrecker does not need any excuse to stay here. He <laughs> is super happy with the situation. Yeah, with absolutely. the food. <laughs> yeah, he likes the food. He likes the relaxation. Next episode, we find out he likes the recreational activities. He is just living his best life on Pabu. <laughs> he definitely would love to adjourn to Space Greece forever and just stay there. Our next episode, Tipping Point, starts with three clone prisoners, among them real hot Hauser, not gonna lie, I was super excited to see him and his beautiful hair, getting rescued by Rex and Echo. Echo also tries to recover the Imperial ship's data logs, but they are encrypted, and the ship's captain commits suicide, rather than let Imperial secrets fall into enemy hands. We did mm -hmm. see this a couple episodes ago with the clone assassin. So definitely things are connected here and very scary like if he's that terrified of giving away the secrets he knows that hemlock is gonna poison him probably if he gives away the secrets back on mount tantus crosser is taken from his cell car arrives to convince him to cooperate and hemlock reveals that crosshair is being interrogated to find clone force 99 specifically omega a torture yeah. droid begins its work on crosshair and it's really gross you guys i i was not a fan we don't okay. really see anything, but it's got that yeah. same, like, cutaway to the screams. Yes. Vibe. And the sound it kind of made as it was, there was, like, a squishing, drilling. Yeah. Is, I was not a fan of that situation. No. <laughs> there was enough to make me just go, bleh, bleh. Yeah, exactly. So we cut back to Coruscant. Rex and Echo bring the prisoners to that safe house, presumably the Martez sisters' garage, mm -hmm. and meet up with Senator Tucci. They really need to find out where these clones were headed, but Hauser has no idea, and the data that they did manage to recover is highly encrypted. But Echo's like, I'm gonna take this to somebody I know I know who to call. That's right. <laughs> he does. So back in Tantus, Carr stops Crosshair's torture, overruling the troopers' protest that he hasn't given up the intel yet. She remarks that he can't tell them anything if he's dead. Fair. Crosser makes an escape attempt and makes it to the control room where he sends out a coded transmission, trying to warn the Bad Batch before he is subdued by some toxic gas that, of course, Hemlock developed himself. One that he's immune to. Mm. Just huffing that gas like a fucking freak. Mm -hmm. So later, Hemlock is briefing Tarkin on the ship that, uh, that lost Hauser and the fellow prisoners. He is confident that the destination will not compromise their location or work. Tarkin hopes so and wants Hemlock to be ready for a full briefing at the summit. Back on Pabu, the Batch have been helping rebuild the island and are contemplating staying long-term. And as we mentioned, Wrecker is loving it. 
He's like, I get to build shit. I get to eat. I'm loving life. Like he rebuilt the walls. He helped rebuild the docks. Fishing. Yeah. So Wrecker's loving life and tech is having a panic attack as he's giving Omega flying lessons. And she is getting better. She pulls off some pretty nice stunts. Echo arrives and makes the horrible idea of challenging Echo for a race back. <laughs> or she's still she has her permit, okay? She doesn't have her full <laughs> license. Let's not do this. Um yeah, so Echo updates Hunter on the status of his and Rex as a clone network, both in and outside the Empire. They've got some they've built some stuff up pretty quickly, pretty impressive. Uh they're not gonna be able to topple the Empire, but he has a duty to his brothers, and it's nice to see that. Yeah. And Tech has cracked the encryption, and he gives everyone a briefing. The ship was part of the Advanced Science Division, which is a really like clandestine, off-the-books organization. It seems to have some roots and some stuff that was going on under the Republic, but it's very, very hush-hush. Uh, Hemlock is its head, and he was actually removed from service to the Republic because of his methods previously. And he doesn't have a specific location, but he also did find the message that Crosshair, he did find Crosshair's name among the ones in the files, his ID number, and he cracked Crosshair's message to them, mentioning Plan 88, i.e. hide. And Tech's like, it sounds like he's trying to warn us away, and Hunter's like, yeah, or he's trying to lure us into a trap again, because this is exactly what happened with Camino. And then back in Mount Tantus, Hemlock offers Crosshair his freedom again in exchange for Omega's location. And he's like, dude, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. Ain't no snitch. So the torture yeah. resumes. End of episode. Ooh. Yay, kids episode. Kids show. Woo! <laughs> oh my god, so much torture. <laughs> We've gotten two suicides in this show so far. Mm-hmm. Good lord. Yeah. Wild shit. Okay, now we are going to head into our reactions and favorite moments from the episode. Is that Hauser's glorious head of hair? <laughs> Goddamn right it is. I love seeing that he's okay. That was probably my scream moment for the episode. <laughs> um, they made a really wow. great pair, though. It was really nice to see them being on Pabu and still being on Pabu, like not one episode's worth trying to decide yeah. whether they're staying it created this nice dilemma for Hunter, who hasn't gotten as much attention this season. Since it's the leader, he it's up to him whether they grow up, go after Crosshair or not, or whether they leave. I love when stories like this kind of show that nomadic main group or main character, that there is a way for them to settle down and live out their lives in relative peace. But something usually calls them away or pushes them away. I just like that they're giving them the option because it creates really great story tension, even though it's a trope and it's been used a lot, especially in Westerns, a lot of Westerns vibes from these episodes. And I just was very excited to see that they're just delving deeper into the characters. I love this. Love it. No notes. (laughs) Daniel, how about you? Um, I liked Pabu. It was a good reset episode. You know, we, we got away from Sid. We're trying to figure out what we're doing like the the main story really didn't have any big stakes but then it was still like a good time and it it like it it created an emotional bond to the place after one episode i was like yeah i can see why they'd want to stay there so then like what you're saying it 
it makes it so that when uh, Echo comes back, like you're like, oh man, I, you don't really want them to leave. They're they're in a nice place. Omega can grow up safe. Yeah. Um, and then episode fourteen, I just I had a great time. Hauser, like you said, how you doing, man? What's up? <laughs> um, but Thank also goodness. just <laughs> right. I I love the action from Echo's team. I thought that was really fun. But why are we stunning Imperials? We can shoot hmm. them. It's fine. Um, they're there, no, they could still be their brothers if there are any clones left. <laughs> yeah, they're not sure. Mm. So we're close. If they're in TK armor, I mean, <laughs> stun off, stun off. If they're in TK armor, yeah, clones um, get good. No, 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 no. They are good because they they could do all of this with stuns. They're amazing. I'm just saying, I don't know, kill the Empire. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's fine. Um, otherwise, no, I just I had a great time with the episode. And um, I'm just I'm really impressed with Crosshair. And I'm really creeped out by Hemlock. What a great what a great thing they've done with him. Uh, like he's been in what, two episodes? three maybe at most and i'm already like oh this guy is creepy he's horrifying and i can't wait to see more of him yeah i just had such a good time with these i loved the episode pabu the location was just absolutely mm-hmm. beautiful i would mm-hmm. love to move there it reminded oh, yeah. me a little bit of uh of the town in luca yeah which you know not the best movie but awesome Very town. No, notes, no notes would live there as long as you're on like the higher tier yeah i'll, ju- I'll yes. be in the higher levels like that's fine i i got long legs i can run up the mountain if we know a tsunami's <laughs> coming <laughs> i love the idea also the like the enemy in that episode wasn't the empire we got a chance to see them deal with something else actually dealing with a man versus nature type plot yeah uh hemlock you guys mentioned is just absolutely terrifying you know one of my questions is was his plan for crosshair to get out was he going to try and trace crosshair it was a little ambiguous i thought Mm -hmm. because he kind of like strode right in there and it seemed like the gas and stuff was ready to go yeah he's just got that stuff wired everywhere very possible he's more of poison (laughs) i think he's more of an opportunistic person he was like oh he got out okay like We'll do it. We'll do whatever we got to do. We'll see how fast mm-hmm. this works on him. Yeah. <laughs> he is so creepy. Jimmy Simpson is killing it as yes. the voice actor for this character. Every time he speaks, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like Cahoons are freaking crawling all over my skin. Just like, <laughs> no. He's like a Mengele character, mm-hmm. which oh, is going God. to be yeah. not great moving yeah. forward. Any sort of like sadistic doctor character is always going to be super creepy just because of yeah. how much wrong they can do yeah with the kind of job that they get like <laughs> i'm pretty sure palpatine was like that's my guy i want that one give me that <laughs> that freaking war criminal we're gonna yeah. totally give him a job you are a disgusting sick fuck I enjoy your research very much. You are in charge. That's that's how it went down. That's how the job interview went. I totally agree with you. That is exactly what Palpatine would have said. You sick fuck. You're hired. <laughs> Big fan of your work, slugger. Get out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go go touch them all. Everything's gonna be fine. Yes. Um. 
I also really liked the awkwardness of tech in these episodes, especially when Fee hit on him, very obviously. <laughs> that was everything. I was like, it would be so sweet if this like little adorable nerd was the first one to get a girlfriend out of all of that. <laughs> The receding and, hairline and all. Let's yes, go, my man. Yeah, like tech, get after it. You totally can get it. And also, Senator Chuchi was really like, "Be careful out there, Echo. Be careful." I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> She's wondering what other attachments he has for that arm. Exactly. They may work. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yes, if they look anything like Tamora Morris, of course she's gonna yeah. hit on him. Like, yeah, he looks great. Even when his Ooh. skin is a little grayish and he's mostly a cybernetic being now. That's fine. You're a war hero. You're emotionally distant, but you're also <laughs> sweet and tender. Oh my God. I just I'm love sorry. It. I'm crushing. <laughs> it's so cute. I just like these little moments that they throw in so that it's not all doom and gloom because yeah. we know that that's coming also because all the crosshair stuff yeah. this season has been really, really tough. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, what about you? What are your favorite kind of moments that stood out these episodes? So, I mean, always a sucker for space battle stuff, as we know. So Rex and the crew coming in with that sweet ship, disabling the Imperial cruiser. Just perfect. I loved that scene without telling us they've done this a bunch of times. Showed us so easily. Like they came in, they disabled it like just with what one or two shots and then they bored like it's nothing. They had this down to a T. Like, it was great seeing that. Like, you could just tell from the scene. And I was like, that's the kind of storytelling you want if you're going to be, you know, like, saying, oh, they're off doing stuff. I don't want you to just, you know, spoon feed me what they've been doing. Like, this is a great way of showing us. Um, and then the tech turn was so much fun. <laughs> the, tick, the tech the turn? Tech, yeah. Like, I do not recall yes. it being called that. But, but I think I, like I could it. enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it'd like... be so funny. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I loved the flying lessons. I loved it's kind of building on the Tech Omega stuff we got in previous episodes, and really just mm -hmm. all the time we spent on Pabu. I think in addition to just being like more lighthearted and fun, it gave us some great character moments from these clones outside of battle. So it let mm -hmm. us do things. We actually got to spend some time with Hunter, even yeah. if he's in like sad slash happy dad mode the entire time, kind of brooding. He just yeah. keeps like doing the slow look at Omega. Mm. <laughs> and then Wrecker... you just made a great point you get to see them as a family outside of battle yes yeah. that's, that's so true like we never get to see that basically no we never get to see them like this you know we get to see omega actually being a kid and being yeah. pretty good at it um but still like getting her training in and doing and doing the harder stuff we get moments with wrecker that aren't just about him being a dumb jock mm-hmm he still is that archetype, but it's like it's more about he's like happy that he's helping people and mm -hmm. he's just glad to like be in the crowd and have a good time. He's just a big softy. He yeah. is. Mm -hmm. Big extra energy for a wrecker. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just what really stood out to me on both of these. I mean, the stuff on the stuff in Mount Tantus is absolutely terrifying and wonderful <laughs> storytelling. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. But it was the stuff on Pabu that really kind of stuck with me. On these yeah. on these episodes nice it's just so sweet mm -hmm. like the, the calm before the storm yay yeah exactly <laughs> okay 
I think now we are going to head into our fairly substantial <laughs> Easter eggs, connections, and callback section. I had a lot of fun writing these ones today, guys. I was like, <laughs> holy shit, there's more? Oh, yeah, there's... I kept looking at my notes. I'm like, there is more. So Pabu is the location and the title of the first episode we watched. I knew this name from Legend of Korra. Yep. From yes. Fire Ferret, our little baby boy. His name is Pabu. In Tibetan, the word means fluffball. So it's perfect, absolutely perfect for both the fire ferret and just like this kind of cute, welcoming, sweet energy that we get from everyone that lives on Pabu. And of course, the island definitely has like nice ocean views. It is space Greece for real. I was like, this is just Santorini in Star Wars, and I'm totally fine with that. Absolutely. So Pabu also, I mean, I mentioned Luca, and since I watch just about anything and everything, except anime. Mm -hmm. <laughs> This year, I watched all seasons of The Adventures of Push and Boots on Netflix. Cute. <laughs> Seriously, cute. guys, DreamWorks Animation's franchise game, especially with their partnership with Netflix, is so on point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but the main setting of that show is San Lorenzo, a like magically hidden town. Uh, most of the residents are kind of refugees or outcasts. So they're a very small, tight-knit community, and they have this gigantic treasure store that they're constantly trying to defend from thieves. So mm -hmm. I got very much San Lorenzo vibes from, from Pabu, except that it's not in the desert. It's in the ocean. <laughs> and I see why you would make that connection. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pabu, they're they're so small. Why? What would the Empire care? The mayor's insistence that the Empire would have no use for Pabu, as it has almost no natural resources, echoes Lando's comments about uh, Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back. He says they're a small enough operation. The Empire is not going to bother them. And then we all saw how that turned out. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Lando. <laughs> Jinxed yourself there, my guy. Okay. Next. This one was really fun. Um, Club Laoshi, which is the sign in Arabesh outside the cantina where Fee and the Bad Batch meet up with great named Lance Crowder to do the business deal with the artifact. More Indiana Jones callbacks when Fee is on the cast list, of course. Lao Chi is the opening antagonist in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It's where they're at the nightclub, and Indy looks great in that white tux. Yeah, and of course, there's got to be some violence going on here. It, the movie opens in a similar way to the episode, with Indy doing the negotiating, and then basically everything gets fucking wrecked. Yep, although Indy actually drinks the poison. Fee refuses it. Yes, yeah. Indy, being an idiot, drinks the poison. <laughs> My big, dumb idiot. But short mm -hmm. round say some, and it's okay. Exactly. Everything's fine. <laughs> Next up, outside that club, there were so many aliens. It, I love when they just populate the background with so many different things mm -hmm. and different creatures. So we get Twi'leks, uh, an Arcona, a Bith, a Snivian... Inside, there's an Aqualish playing Sabak, and he is dressed like Panda Baba Kenner action figure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so fun. I love when they do that kind of stuff. It's not Panda Baba, though, everyone. He's... Yeah. <laughs> he has not died yet, but this is not him. <laughs> and we saw some booze. That Aqualish is drinking Utaguta Rhodian rum, which is Utaguta is the first thing Greedo says to Han Solo in A New Hope. Uh, shortly before he meets his end, I that's Utasola. that is the best name. Can I get an Utaguta Rodian Rum? Like, yeah, 
just leave the bottle. <laughs> yeah. Does that mean it's called going somewhere, Rodian Rum? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they they want to go. They do want to go somewhere. They want to go to Pabu because they're stuck in this really trashy cantina. <laughs> Fee is the reverse Indiana Jones. She doesn't think these artifacts belong in a museum. She gets them to bring back to Pabu, since the island is full of war refugees who lost everything. Love that for a girl, especially since in the beginning of the season, we were kind of like, do we like the pirate? <laughs> yeah. But she also knows her way. She knows to bring some muscle when uh, mm -hmm. when you're going to need to fight back. And Lance tries to get at her, not only with poison, but with those Kohun centipedes. Ugh. Now, these are the same bugs that Zamuzel used in Attack of the Clones to try and kill Padme. That Anakin mm -hmm. sliced up very nice after R2, you know, completely missed them in his scanning. Like, dude, your sensors have to be better than that. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Luckily, Hunter's enhanced hearing skills detect the bug, and he was able to kill them. Pretty sick from him, though. Ugh, those bugs are gross. Yeah, no thank and, you. And uh, <laughs> Omega's fighting skills are pretty, uh, getting pretty good. She traps Lance under a giant bell-like thing, uh, it making us think of the villain Ernesto de la Cruz from Coco, which mm -hmm. I'm sorry... Everyone, I still have not seen. <gasps> it's on Disney Plus. I'll get to it. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> hey, there's a backlog <laughs> of stuff that I need to get to. I'm still working on a lot of things. This um, one is like one you really have to watch. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, especially because I'm pretty sure my niece loves it. Mm. And then, um, you know, guys, hopefully, many more bells are falling on that asshole, and hopefully, I will understand that reference in a couple of weeks oh you're gonna laugh your ass off when you finally oh, watch it. i've heard nothing but good things i can't wait you're gonna be like oh yes why did i wait so long exactly it's wonderful you will cry okay so the city that is on pabu is called the archeum which could be another nod to indy and raiders of the lost ark of course or it could be a reference to noah's biblical ark fitting since the city is about to be hit by a massive flood Save all the animals, people, including those cute little monkey creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, next up, we have Shep Hazard, who's the mayor of Pabu. He's what voiced a great by name. Um, I know. <laughs> He's voiced by Amari Williams, who's a veteran voice actor from all over the place. He's done a ton of anime. He's done. Uh, he was. He had some voices on the Last of Us Part Two game. Uh, he's done some stuff in the DC animated universe. My personal favorite. He is Black Adam in the Lego DC movie Shazam: Magic and Monsters awesome awesome here for it mm -hmm. <laughs> uh lance crowder was voiced by steve bloom who we all know as zeb from rebels mm -hmm. and also a ton of anime yes he's spike spiegel which is probably his most known role but we definitely knew that voice as our beloved yeah. zeb from rebels <laughs> Oh, man. And then uh, Tipping Point opens on the planet Balmora. This planet is mainly found in Legends, where it was a factory world. Weapons and battle droids were made there. And in canon, it was first mentioned on screen in Clone Wars. Doesn't that have something to do with Willow, too? I feel like that name Balmora. pops up. Yeah. Uh, Balmora, Balmora Castle is a castle in Edinburgh. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But it could be. I mean, they use a lot of UK references in Willow. And then this is also one of my favorite parts of the episode. Echo is joined by clones Gregor and Fireball when he rescues Hauser. Gregor 
whom I love dearly, will later appear in Rebels alongside Rex and Wolf. His trademark off-kilter voice is still here. Like, he sounds like a lunatic, and I love him. Hauser, of course, is from the Ryloth episodes in Bad Batch Season 1, where he defied the Empire to save the Syndulla family. We haven't seen Fireball before, but since he's not in Rebels, we might assume that he doesn't make it past the Clone Rebellion, which is too bad because his name is Fireball, and that is amazing. Yeah, and he would be great to see in battle. Yes. Um, is his name like showing off that he's basically a red shirt? <laughs> oh, no. No. oh no. Oh no. Uh another clone we have featured in this episode is named Nemec, and it mm. is now my personal headcanon that he somehow becomes like a stepdad or something to Nemec on Andor, and that's what inspired him to join the rebellion. Amazing. <laughs> and write his that. manifesto. Yes. Uh, and then when the Star Destroyer shows up at the end of that opening uh, opening rescue, the score hits those first few notes of the Imperial March, a great signifier that the Empire isn't at its strongest yet, but it's getting there. Mm-hmm. We also get the V-Wing fighters again, the precursors to the TIE, fi- TIE fighters, another clue that we're, we're getting to the Imperial Age, but we're just not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Rebel clones have a base deep in Coruscant, which probably belongs to the Martez Centers. Uh, yeah, bop, 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 bop. Gotta restart that. <laughs> the Rebel clones have a base deep in Coruscant, which probably belongs to the Martez Sisters. We saw them teaming up with Rex in Season 1, and Senator Chuchi is also there. So she's definitely in on the clones rebelling against their treatment by the Empire. Um, amazing, but also so risky. Yeah. I'm sure she'll survive, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Really sure. Yeah. An alien senator in the rebellion. I'm sure nothing bad will happen to her. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's fine. So, you know, that Dem Hemlock, he's developed an immunity to Iocane powder. I mean, his own poison gas, which is fine. We covered that Hemlock is totally into poisons, so it fits his character to be interested in studying them and making them. Like, I love when Star Wars just gets on the nose names, but this one is really really not the no <laughs> uh, Dr. Then, evil poison man is basically yeah, what they should have named him yes speaking of dr evil we thought yeah. i thought i recognized that vile stench <laughs> that is grand moff tarkin talking to hemlock so he's already deep 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 into all the secret imperial projects their secret military and weapons projects Tarkin mentions a growing clone rebellion that more and more of them are questioning the Empire's orders. And we were we've been curious about this all season as to kind of when this will reach its hey, title of the episode, tipping point. Mm-hmm. And Hemlock's like, it's okay, send the clones to me. I'll find a use for them. Uh, I'm so worried. I don't like the sound I'm very of that. concerned. <laughs> I'm 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 getting more and more and more concerned about the younger clones yeah. that we saw leave Camino. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're toast. Yeah. They're already gone. Yeah. I forgot already... about them. Yeah, they're so gone. If Hemlock got a hold of them, they're definitely yeah. goo. They're genetic goo somewhere. <laughs> I wish they could hide, but they can't. Uh, but Code 88, which is what Crosshair warns the Bad Batch with, it means to hide. And they got the warning, but they're probably going to ignore it. Uh, they're they're going to go find him, most likely, even though they are still very suspicious of him, which, understandable, he did a lot of betraying and being a general asshole. Um, so I wouldn't trust him, but at least he was trustworthy in this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He tried. I mean, he's 
he's flipping back. I love yeah. to see a turning point or a tipping point for a bad character who's trying to break good. Okay. So now we are going to move into a couple discussion points. Uh, some sad stuff <laughs> coming up, everybody. Sorry about that. But the themes for this season of The Bad Batch are pretty dark. And I think it's kind of, it's stuff that should be talked about. The first one is more of like a pop culture kind of reference. Can the Bad Batch really ever find peace? In literature and film, the drifters who come from a life of violence can rarely find lasting peace. Think Clint Eastwood in basically any of his roles, <laughs> but especially <laughs> Unforgiven is a mm-hmm. big one. Um, instead, their past follows them, making them a danger to anyone they love or to the homes they try to make. Do you guys think Pabu is destined for a a shakedown, a a terrible end because the Bad Batch were there? I don't know if it would be because the Bad Batch were there, because they would have to already be tracking the Bad Batch to really make that happen, unless they go back later, or unless they somehow connect them to Fee and like do some major detective work that I don't know that the Empire is capable of just yet. Um. No, I they don't did... have Dedra yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know we all we all did see there was a tweet somebody put out about the Pabu possibly being on Scarif, which no. would not bode well for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're like no. two islands over. Yeah. Um see, even if it's even if they aren't found because it's the batch's fault. I feel like eventually they're going to be found. The Empire is never going to just let a place exist on its own if it can help it. The Empire will find its ways to like sink its claws into anywhere they can. Right. Um, I'm. Oh, Colleen, now you brought up the Drifters, you know, violence following them. It's making me wonder, are they going to have to. Do something drastic to protect Omega. And are we potentially going to see some of the batch sacrifice themselves in the final end game? Mm. <laughs> oh. Quite possible. It's possible. I mean, in terms of them being able to find peace, this is the bad batch, you know, despite their name, aren't really as villainous as a lot of those kind of anti heroes are in that sense. So for them, I think it's more about do they ever find the peace after after the war and getting, I know we'll get into this here in just a second, but, you know, being veterans of a pretty terrible conflict, um, is that ever going to let them calm down? And we know that other than Rex, we don't know any other clones that make it to the point to actually see the Empire fall. Right. And are they just they're made for war and are they ever going to be able to put that down <laughs> guys oh man i think the greatest triumph of the clone wars as a series was besides ahsoka was the clones and their oh, yeah. their lives and their purpose and making us feel for these guys who were supposed to be the same person just duplicated over and over again but then they emerge with separate personalities and dreams and wishes like yes they all want to fight but then some of them have different goals 
Some of them have different hopes. And I love that we get to see that get detailed even more in Bad Batch. This season really is pointing to veterans' rights. Senator Chuchi is big on this topic right now in the Senate. The Empire is shirking their responsibility to the clones who serve the Republic and are still serving the Emperor. Like, they're just mm-hmm. dropping the ball. And sadly, you say this that has... like the Empire thinks it has a responsibility to them. <laughs> right. Well, yes. I mean, they do, but they don't think they do. The Emperor just sees them as pieces that can be discarded. Like, they're not people. They're just property. And that's what Hemlock says, too. He's like, well, Omega doesn't have a choice. Like, she's going to be used because she's a clone and she's our property. Which is how a lot of military vets feel when they come home. Our world has deep roots in this kind of... It's it's really strange because we put soldiers up on such a high pedestal in some ways until they come home from war and need help we can always find the money when they're when they're in battle yes oh yeah we can find the money to get them over there and fight but when they come back they have such a difficult time reintegrating coming home feeling like they're actually home and whether it's because of delayed payments which i know has happened personally to some soldiers Mm -hmm. some veterans uh protests from regular citizens like, they just have it tough when it comes to coming home and trying to be, quote-unquote, normal again. The VA is very, very unhelpful often. Yes, yes. They can it's, be helpful, but a lot of... It depends yeah, on where you live, too. Because like, they're overworked, and, and yeah, they're, they're underfunded, overworked. and it's it's lip service is paid yes. to, to veterans, where it's like, oh, thank you so much, but... Yeah, here's I'm, a medal. Yeah, like, here's <laughs> a medal your and... Family. <laughs> Go uh, enjoy 4th of July while you're in your house, you know, having a PTSD flashback yeah, because we don't care enough. Yeah, because we don't care enough to actually like get you help. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks for doing the wars and getting us the oil, though. Like yeah. it's I mean, that's what the Empire is doing to the clones. It's hey, uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, not even a thanks. <laughs> I am so grateful that you fought for me and secured my empire. Um, go fuck off now. I don't have a plan for you. Go yeah. be old somewhere. Yeah, I don't old. care. No pensions, no yeah. anything to help them, like, become regular citizens. Um, I was researching this a little bit. I found out that after World War One, veterans and their families actually, like, pitched camp and were sleeping mm-hmm. on the Capitol lawn in Washington, D.C., and President Hoover thought it was a great idea to dispatch military tanks to get them off his lawn. Like, yep. seriously, an old man yelling at veterans to get off his lawn. And they killed two people doing that. Veterans who had served during World War One, which is crazy. Um, I know from a lot of personal um, experiences with relatives, Vietnam vets, who experienced massive pushback from civilians when they came oh, yeah. home. One factor that led to an uptick in PTSD cases, like huge Vietnam, I think, yeah. maybe because it was more present or more kind of seen or known about the One PTSD cases. One of the first cases. majorly televised uh, yes. wars, too. So. Yes, the television really, and I'm sure there's the Hollow Net in Star Wars. They showed a lot mm. of combat. 
And I'm sure that the clones, at first, some of them might have been welcomed home, but not really. I mean, Order 66 happened. They were like, oh, you killed the traitorous Jedi, I guess. Thanks. They were never really welcomed, though, as like members of society to begin no. with because of their no, status no. as clones. Right. They were just like a droid who happened to have flesh yeah, instead exactly. of metal. And it's no surprise that some of them experience such bad PTSD. Like we see the clone trooper in the Obi-Wan show who's haggard and homeless and on the street. And then you get three that we see in Rebels who are still alive, but God knows what happens during the rest of the clones rebelling. Like this is such an interesting I don't issue. Know. I don't Being know tackled if I would in really... an animated show is crazy. I don't know if I would really call those three thriving. Well, <laughs> no. I mean, Gregor is living his best life. <laughs> I mean, fair. I also just thought about this. Imagine like, you know, you're a PTSD affected clone who just got back from the war no one's trying to help you out with getting you a home and you walking down the street and then holy shit there's a bunch of clankers in front of you yeah. and then you're like oh it's it's not battle droids it's not battle right. droids it's just protocol droids but like yeah. you see droids you turn around the corner there's another droid like yeah imagine freaking out when you're like oh like i'm surrounded by droids but mm-hmm. i don't have a weapon but right they're not enemies but like yeah like yeah. these poor guys are probably going through it i just yeah. And their bodies are breaking down faster. Yeah, and they're going to die. Like, they're going to die sooner. And there's no medical care set up for them or anything. Like, Mm -hmm. these guys deserve to have, like, quality care set up for them at the end of their lives. And, yeah, a life. Yeah. You know, to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Even if it's accelerated, like, Rex, Gregor, and Wolf, they're still alive. Yeah. For at least 20 like what is it from the end of return of revenge of the sith 20-ish years at least 19 because luke's 19 yeah but at the end at the very end of the conflict 24 25 ish yeah yeah so they're still alive clones could have lived a longer life but then that's if they're all alive still like a million people that they have to take care of and palpatine's like hmm or we could not. <laughs> yeah. Or we could not. We could just like experiment on them. Again, the I've been looking at the books. <laughs> I have all this money that we could use to pay for the clones. Mm-hmm. Or I could get myself a very fancy new spinny chair on the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the fancy spinny chair on the Death Star and it's really calling to me. For real though that's the saddest part is that there's so much funding that could go to taking care of veterans and instead gets okay call my assistant change the <laughs> excel spreadsheet thank you <laughs> yeah just cook the books a little bit yes Whew. okay now that have do either of you guys have anything to add for discussion points i know that was a heavy one <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nah, I think let's head into our next section, our final questions. Any lingering questions we have coming out of these episodes, our predictions for what's coming next, and what is going to be the finale? Oof. Yeah. Uh, the final two episodes are being shown together. I think it's going to get dicey, predicting a bittersweet, if not entirely bitter, note. 
Uh, questions I have, will the Bad Batch get to Tantus in time to rescue Crosshair? Or is he going to be basically tortured into being a mindless clone assassin, like the guy that we saw earlier this season? Uh, will Hemlock capture Omega and use her against Nalase? I'm guessing no, because it takes so long to make Palpatine miraculously return that it doesn't seem like they're getting help. Otherwise, I think he would have... I think he'll have her for like five minutes. Yeah, maybe. It'll be like a really quick... Because I don't know if... I can't see where they would be in a position to get Omega away from the Bad Batch unless the Batch like comes to Tantus. Right. Yeah. So it's like he grabs her at the end of part one of the finale and then like midway part two, she's rescued. Right. Because mm-hmm. they have to pay off that 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 thread in yes. some way. Yes. I, yeah, I'm really hoping they don't leave that until season three. I want to see some end point for that. Want to know if we'll see Rex again. I don't know if we're going to directly see him. I think we'll see more of the clones and the rebellion. There's just so many interesting things that could happen. Like, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. People are theorizing that Carr might be on the clone side. And at the at the end, I don't know about that theory, but yeah, I don't know. I'm she's another one. There are just like a couple of those moments where I'm just like, are you you maybe? I don't no. trust her. I don't trust Mm-mm. her at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, my one of my main questions coming out is, what's the summit that's coming? Tarkin mm. mentions it. Hemlock's mm-hmm. got to be ready for like a full presentation. So, what is this summit? Where is it? Got to get his what's PowerPoint ready. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Is that going to play into the finale, or is that just like a a throwaway? So, Pabu, we talked about whether good or bad things could happen on Pabu. Is Pabu just potentially a good seed to plant now, and then whenever they decide to end this series, is it a place that the clones could just return to? Mm -hmm. Like, in the series finale, kind of like, you know, Rex and his husband going to live Or not Rex, Zeb and his husband going to Callus. live with, yeah, going to live with Zeb's people on their new home world <laughs> at the mm-hmm. end of Rebels. Mm-hmm. Is that is this just a good spot kind of to have in their back pocket for something like that to show us that yes, they do manage to kind of settle down. That and would then, be really sweet. <laughs> and then yeah, crosshairs come very far on this journey all season. Is he gonna stay that way? I really uh, fucking hope so. <laughs> so this is this is my sad thought here. No. Is that they rescue Crosshair, <laughs> but they're gonna lose someone in the process of rescuing mm. Crosshair. And we don't necessarily know where Echo ends up, do we? No. Mm-mm. I could see Echo being the one that we lose. Which would uh, suck so No, <laughs> I would not be happy about it. I know. It would be traumatizing. <laughs> I I just feel like things are going to end badly for the Bad Batch because I'm the more this season has played out, the more I think that the third season will probably be the final one. So where it Empire, basically. Yeah, it feels like this is our, you know, dark uh bad ending where we're like oh god what's gonna happen and i feel like season three might be a little bit rough and then hopefully they break through the clouds get to the happy ending 
Maybe. Could be. At least for the batch. At least for the batch. We know things are still going to be rough out there in the meantime, but good God. I just, I, I'm, I'm nervous for this finale. I'm, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Daniel, no. <laughs> I just, I feel like they're going to gut punch us somehow. I think they have, I think they're definitely going to gun punch us. I mean, they can't do a repeat of Camino though. Like they're not going to blow up Mount Tantus. No, I don't important. think Tantus is going. No. So I think it's going to be more of a like personal uh, something happening. Like Camino was a big set piece event and it was very personal as well, but like that was a huge seismic event you know, that had galactic ramifications. I think it's going to be something that has just ramifications for the batch. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just emotional damage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And on that very, very sad note, (laughs) thank you all for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcast. Hit that follow button. Leave us a five-star review. Check out all of our previous podcasts. We do the Star Wars films. We get into some other great Star Wars content. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find us over on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast feed. And then you can find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. Also, search her on Amazon and buy her book. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, please. There are two of them. (laughs) Soon to be three. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. And then join us next time. We will be looking at the newest episode of The Mandalorian, and then we will be back for the season two finale of The Bad Batch. Oof. Until then, guys, remember if a tsunami is coming, get to the high ground. Listen to Obi Wan. That's right. The high ground cannot be defeated. No. Ever. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye bye. Okay, hold on. Before we close this Zoom meeting, I would like to welcome everyone to the first official summit. Go ahead and mute yourself if you have not already. Talking, I don't want to hear that jizz music playing from your desk one more time during a meeting. Do you understand me? All right. Hemlock, you dirty, evil little bastard. Take the stage first. All right, kick it off, everyone. Goodbye.